marks the 21st anniversary of 9-11. And so today I want to talk about the importance of remembering impactful things like this that happen in our life. And so to begin today, I would like to start by reading this tribute about the events that took place on 9-11. On September 11th, 2001, America experienced four coordinated terrorist attacks carried out by Al-Qaeda. Nineteen terrorists hijacked four commercial airplanes, deliberately crashing two of the planes into the upper floors of the north and south towers of the World Trade Center complex, and a third plane into the Pentagon in Arlington, Virginia. The Twin Towers ultimately collapsed because of the damage sustained from the impacts and the resulting fires. After learning about the other attacks, passengers on the fourth hijacked plane, Flight 93, fought back and the plane was crashed into an empty field in western Pennsylvania about 20 minutes by air from Washington, D.C. The attacks killed 2,753 people in New York, 184 people at the Pentagon, and 40 people on Flight 93. Dedicated to the remembrance of these events, the 9-11 Memorial was opened on the 10th anniversary of the attacks, located on the western side of the former World Trade Center complex, where the Twin Towers once stood. The Memorial Plaza surrounds two enormous reflecting pools set within the footprints of the North and South Towers. Etched in bronze around the edges of these pools are the names of people who were killed in the 9-11 attacks. Each year, on the anniversary of 9-11, the families of victims gather for a ceremony on the Memorial Plaza to read aloud the names of those killed in the attacks. Six moments of silence mark the times when each of the World Trade Center towers was struck, when each tower fell, and the times corresponding to the attack at the Pentagon and the crash of Flight 93 in Pennsylvania. There is also the tribute in light, wherein twin beams shine into the sky, recalling the Twin Towers. As an extension of this tribute, many companies and landmarks light their own rooftops in blue as a gesture of collective remembrance. We should never forget the impact this day has had on all Americans, and especially for those who lost loved ones in these attacks. We will continue to remember those who were lost and pass on the memory of this event from generation to generation. As I was putting this tribute together, I wanted to make sure that I included the building of the 9-11 memorial, because it's dedicated to helping others remember what took place, so that it's not lost in history but for everyone to be able to remember not only those who lived through it, as it is one of those events where you remember exactly where you were and what you were doing when you heard the news that this was happening, but especially for those who were not alive when this attack took place, that they can learn about what happened and the legacy of that event will be carried on in the minds of the next generation. Now, of course, this is a memorial 
to a tragedy which took place. A truly terrible and horrific event that happened. But not all things that we remember are terrible things. And not all memorials that are set up are memorials to tragic events. And in fact, I would like to bring our eyes to Scripture, to a memorial that was put into place for something good that happened. In Joshua chapter 4, in the first seven verses, we have a passage of Scripture where the Israelites had just crossed over the Jordan River with the Ark of the Covenant, and that as they stepped into the river, that the river dried up and allowed them to cross, just like God did with Moses and the Red Sea. And in Joshua chapter 1, we're told, When the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Choose twelve men from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up twelve stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priests are standing, and carry them over with you, and put them down at the place where you stay tonight. So Joshua called together the twelve men he had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe, and said to them, Go over before the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan. Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites, to serve as a sign among you. In the future, when your children ask you, What do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. I want to highlight that this event that takes place, this memorial that is built for the miraculous work that God does for his people, that this takes place in the book that comes before the book of Judges. And this is important because we're currently going through the book of Judges. I'm doing a series on it right now. And I want to remind us how the book of Judges begins. In Judges chapter 2, verse 10, it says that after that whole generation, so the generation that was being led by Joshua, after that generation had been gathered to their ancestors, another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. Now think about that. God did this miraculous work for the Israelites. And even before this work, there was all the things he did in Egypt to free his people. And a memorial was built so that the story could be passed on to next generations. And yet we see that the next generation didn't know about what God had done for them. They did not know the Lord, nor what he had done for Israel. 
This is important because that means that the memorial that was set up, the memorial that was built and established for the sole purpose of passing this story down from one generation to the next was not enough for that story to be passed along. That even though that memorial was there, there was still this next generation that grew up not knowing about what God had done for them. And because of that, they turned away from God. That memorial was not enough in and of itself to pass along the story to future generations. And that generation that did pass away, that generation that was following Joshua, did not do their part to pass the story along. And I think it's very likely that what took place here was either that this generation that passed away, they either thought that the memorial itself would be enough to pass the story along, or they thought someone else, not them, but maybe their friends or neighbors or or just somebody else, whoever's job it was to raise the children, that they will take care of passing this memory along. Or maybe they thought to themselves, well, you know, we're just told that when our children ask about it to tell them the story, so we'll just wait until they ask. But regardless of which of those scenarios was the case, or maybe a little bit of all of them, there's the same problem that that generation did not take personal responsibility to pass to the up-and-coming generation the story of what happened. And if they had, if they had said to themselves, I'm not just going to rely on this memorial in and of itself to make sure that this story is passed along, but instead I am going to make sure that I utilize that memorial in order for me to pass that story along to my children and grandchildren. And we, living today, need to learn from their mistakes and not think that it's somebody else's responsibility to pass along these stories. With something like what happened at 9-11, we shouldn't just say, well, somebody will teach them. Their schools will teach them. Their teachers will teach them. Or whenever they ask about it, then I'll tell them. Because that time may never come. And we need to take responsibility to pass on to the next generation the things that have impacted us. And this doesn't just apply to 9-11. This doesn't just apply to the events that have taken place in our lifetime, in our culture. But it includes all the works that God has done. The things that God has done in our lives and the things that God has done throughout Scripture. It's our responsibility to make sure that the things we know, the things we have experienced, the things we have learned is passed on to the next generation. That's our responsibility. And we cannot simply expect someone else to pass those things along, 
nor should we criticize others for not knowing those things when we have not shared those things with them. It's so easy for one generation, the older generation, to say to the younger generation, how could you not know that? And criticize and condemn that young generation for not knowing the things that they should know when that older generation has taken no responsibility on themselves to make sure that those things are passed along that should be taught. You can't know something if it is never taught. And we don't want to become a generation that doesn't accept that responsibility of teaching the next generation and then on top of that to criticize them for not knowing what we have not taught them. It took a single generation of Israelites to forget what God had done for them, even though they had a memorial dedicated specifically for sharing that story. Still, another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. Now, the word knew that is being used in that passage comes from the same word that is used when talking about making a covenant with someone or making a covenant with God. So when it's talking about they didn't know the Lord, it's possible that they aren't just talking about a head knowledge, but talking about not making that submission to God, not having that relationship with God. In other words, it's possible that the story was told to the next generation, that that up-and-coming generation was told about what happened, but they, as they forgot it as easily as, it, as they heard it. It went in one year and out the other. It's possible that they were told what had happened and yet chose to not pay attention to it, and they forgot about it, and because of that, they did not submit to God. And if that is the case, the blame would, not, would still not solely be on that next generation, that younger generation. The older generation that has the responsibility of passing this story along would still bear part of the blame for not conveying to that next generation the importance of what they were being told. See, it's possible that they just pass the story along, but, you know, it's just a story or, you know, it's just something that happened. And the, th the thing with children especially is that they pay so much more attention to what they see than what they hear. And if an adult tells a child that something is important, and yet when the child looks at that adult's life, they see that their life does not reflect at all that something is important. And even though the adult says that this is important, unless that is seen in the life of the person who is saying that, it's not going to stick. It's not going to have any impact on that person. 
It's something that they need to see in the life of the person that is trying to teach them. See, knowledge, just, just knowing something, is meaningless unless it inspires a change of heart as well. And in order for a younger generation to not only hear something, not just know something, but to accept it into their life so that it changes their life, in order for that to happen, they need to see that modeled and lived out by the people who are telling them that these things matter. Someone who says your relationship to God is the most important thing in your life, if the person saying that shows no signs of having a relationship with God in their life, it will go in one ear and out the other. Knowledge is meaningless unless it inspires a change of heart. And that first needs to take place in our own heart and own lives. We need to show through our example that the things we are saying are important are actually important, that they are life-changing, that they are things to be taken seriously. Because that's what people are going to be looking at. Not just children either. But as believers speaking to people who are not believers, saying, yes, my faith, my relationship with God is so important. If they look at our life and see no evidence, no change that a relationship with God has made, it will not be taken seriously. It will not be known, even if it is heard. And that's why we are given the instruction in James chapter 1, beginning at verse 22, that says, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and, after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. You see, it's not enough just to know that we should be doing something or to say that it is important to do that and say that to other people. It needs to be shown. It needs to be walked out in our life. We need to set the example of how a knowledge of God should have an impact on a person's heart and life. And if people can see that in our life, if people can see the change that takes place in our life and in our heart because of our relationship with God, they're going to be a lot more willing to listen to us when we say that it is important because they see it in our life. They hear it not just in what we say, but the conviction with which we say it. And they see it being walked out in our life. Then it becomes a whole lot harder to just hear 
without understanding and knowing what it is that's being talked about. To truly know what is being taught. Not just hear it, but to know what you are looking at. To understand it because you've witnessed it. There's a difference between knowing that a car can go 80 miles per hour and sitting in a car that is going 80 miles per hour. It's one thing to know. It's another to have experienced and know by that experience. And I do know that those who are believers want those who are not believers and want their children and grandchildren to not just have a head knowledge of God, to not just hear what the Bible says, but they want it to have an impact on those people's lives. They want them to experience a real relationship with God. And in order for that to happen, it needs to be shown in our own life. That is what will allow us then to not only be able to pass along what we have experienced, what God has done in our life, our story, our testimony, to not just be able to speak about it, but to be able to speak it with conviction so that the people are, who are hearing what we are saying know just how important it truly is. That they're not just taking our word for it, they are seeing it through our life. And that we're not quiet about those things. That we don't just say, oh well, the Bible's there, so they can go and find out. Just like we wouldn't say, well, the memorial is there, so they can go and find out. But taking that personal responsibility to being the one who shares those things that you've experienced with others. And that it's not just your words that they hear, it's your life that they see. And so on this day, that we remember a tragic, terrible event that took place. To remember not only the importance of sharing that event and similar events like that with other people in order that the lessons that come from those events can be learned by others, but to remember to not only do that with tragedies and negative experiences, but to also be sharing the works that God has been doing in your life and the works that God has done throughout all of history. So in the same way that we remember the events of 9-11 and set specific time to remember that day, we should also remember what God has done for us and let it have an impact on our hearts so that we don't just know about it, but that we live it in our day-to-day life and make sure that we share those things with others and take that time to reflect on whether or not our life is currently honoring our covenant with him in light of those things. This is our call to remembrance.
and it is a call not only to remembrance, but a call to take the responsibility to share it with others, not just in our words, but through our life. And that's today's Sermon in the Pocket. As always, if you have any comments or questions for me, you can reach me through the Sermon in the Pocket Facebook page or email me directly at sermoninthepocket at gmail.com. And I encourage you to share this message with other people, to call them to remembrance and sharing as well. But until next time, I pray that God will bless you as you go throughout your day. Thank you for taking the time to listen. Thank you.